0: And welcome back to a breaking special edition of the Alonzo bet. As promised, we are coming to you as soon as we heard the news about the MLB starting the season back up. This is huge. And we wanted to bring it to you live with all of the implications and rules uh, that are going to come from this. So Sam, let's give us some background here. Uh, What happened last night?
1: So basically, after the the MLB Players Association, I think it was on, on Monday, voted to reject the uh, the 60-game proposal put out by the MLB to, to them, the MLB basically said, we're going to institute a 60-game season uh, under the March Agreement. We've talked in the past about how uh, the league always had the power under the March Agreement to implement a season. Uh, Of however length that they however long a season as they could uh, with full prorogued salaries so this is what they decided to do Uh, we waited to report on all the details of that until now because as of yesterday they as of yesterday night we're recording this Wednesday morning they officially agreed on the health protocols as well so the season is a full go Uh, the spring training too as they're calling it although it's not really spring training. Is going to start.
0: They're calling it spring training 2.0, yeah, but it, it, it's not. It's going to
1: start on July 1st, and then the season itself will start on July 27th, and they'll be... Pre- 24th, 24th, Friday, sorry. July 24th. And they'll be playing uh, 60 games in 66 days. Uh,
0: so ending on Sunday, September 27th. The hope, of course, from the owner's side that they can, I, I think, and the players want this too, um, be able to play a postseason... Um, and dodge that risk of a kind of COVID bounce back that a lot of health professionals think could occur um, as the weather cools down again in the fall. That's not really linked to the weather. Another interesting thing that came out of this is that players that are deemed high risk can actually opt out of playing and still get paid. Now, this right now is like a pretty abstract concept because what really is high risk? A guy like Mike Trout, for example, has a pregnant wife is that high risk? A guy like David Dahl doesn't have a spleen. Is that high risk? Uh, it, it's kind of unclear. Um, and it's certainly difficult for us as fans to try to parse out who that's going to be. Because not only is the terminology unclear, but we also don't know players' medical history. Yes. So uh, So I think
1: as far as, as, a, as a pregnant wife, I think originally it was reported that that would be deemed high risk. But now, from my current understanding, it would not be. So it's only if the player themselves has a health risk um, I see and uh, again, this could change, but that's just my current understanding. Um, so another another interesting thing that I personally hate is that they will be starting uh every extra inning with a runner on second this is a, this is a rule proposal that that Rob Manfred's been all about the last few years because he thinks extra innings need to change for some reason. And they're sort of using the idea that we can't have games going super long because there are fewer rest days and you want to lower exposure uh, in time to other players. So they're, they're trying to shorten extra innings this way. I personally think it's a terrible, terrible rule. And,
0: and I think Manfred's using it as a as a test. Like, he, he doesn't actually care about the length of exactly, games or the exposure players. Yeah. Well, I, um,
1: I'm actually wondering uh, from a fantasy perspective, Aaron, do you think this, this will make it a good strategy to, like, punt saves? Because people, it'll be harder to get a save in extra innings.
0: Um, no, I, because extra innings still make up such a small fraction of games. Although, with a shortened season, we could certainly see some like crazy anomaly here where no one in 60 games no one even saves 15 games like that's certainly possible just because of the we don't know how um the strategy and the bullpen management is going to play out we're definitely going to see some really interesting moves i could see the rays Using pretty much only Morton and Snell if Snell even plays. He's he's kind of been up in arms about this whole thing, but I assume he will. So I could see them using just Morton and Snell as traditional starters and maybe even never giving him more than six. I mean, they, seven they, they'd use, they'd use
1: Glass now, too.
0: I don't know, though. In the shortened season, they could use Glass now as like a three or four inning swingman, like three days a week. That's kind of nasty if they find a way to do it. And they, I think it's most likely that they use him as a traditional starter, but I, I just think that this 60-game season with 60 games in 66 days, which is even more rigorous than the regular season, and another aspect of this that we haven't touched on is there's no doubleheaders. Yeah. We kind of thought maybe a way to create a shortened season with a decent number of games would be to play a lot of doubleheaders. This was all over the internet. But uh, no doubleheaders. And again, the claim here is that they want to limit player-to-player exposure. Um, it's the same rule for the DH and, uh, and the extra inning rule that Sam mentioned. Uh, so with no doubleheaders and 60 games in 66 days, we could see a brand of baseball unlike anything we've ever seen and unlike anything we'll see again, of course traditional conservative teams are not going to change drastically. I I think of the Cubs kind of, even though Theo's at the helm, Cubs, Cardinals, you know, they, they play with analytics and they understand the game, but I don't think they're going to do anything wild with their gameplay strategy. Whereas teams like the Rays, the Astros, uh, even the Indians could get really creative with both lineup construction and roster construction. Yeah.
1: And I think it's, it's pretty interesting in that, the season is competitive, competitively very different than it ha- than past seasons have been, but still every team is going in knowing that the season is competitive, competitively different. So it does give the smarter teams maybe some comparative advantage in being able to game the system a bit more. Um, the other sort of competitive aspect to the season is that the your schedule is still only going to be mostly within your own division. So 40 games will be, playing all the other teams in your own division 10 times. And then the other 20 games will be against your your sort of, you know, neighboring division in the other leagues. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the East plays the East, Central plays the Central, West plays the West. And originally my understanding was that they'd be playing each of these teams four times in the other division. But now what they're saying is going to happen is that you'll be playing your division rival six times and then play the other four teams four or three times. And Actually, I'm personally up in arms about this because the Mets are playing the Yankees six times and the Nationals right. are playing the Orioles six times. Right, right. But That difference could could
0: be totally
1: swing the division in 60 games. In 60
0: games? Right. I, I, that basically is the difference, right? For the NL East especially – That's a division where everybody's going to beat up on each other in there. So again, a huge emphasis on who can destroy the Marlins uh, to win the NL East here. But the other factor, Sam, you are 100% right. The Nationals getting to play the Orioles an extra two series is just, it's probably going to change, it's probably going to swing the division. And so that actually brings us to um, some really interesting consequences of this in terms of both betting and fantasy, I think we might want to touch on just really quickly. So as of today, again, we live in New Jersey where uh, online sports betting is legal. If you live in a state where it is not, please do not violate state or federal laws. <laughs> but uh, for the fun of it, um, when I looked this morning on FanGraphs, the odds actually had not changed from um, the preseason rankings when there hadn't been any news. So what you have is you actually still have um the Nats at plus 1800 and you have some really interesting teams like the Brewers Angels Padres even a team like the A's who you know they're they probably wouldn't win the World Series in a full season and, and I don't like their odds here for a full season but in 60 games if a team like the White Sox or the Pods or the Brewers or somebody if they get hot I mean, a thirty to one bet is is pretty good on some yeah. Of those. Yeah,
1: and 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 I think that doubles also for individual seasons. I mean, anyone could get crazy hot over sixty games. Like we could see someone mm-hmm. with a sub one ERA. We could see someone right. bat four twenty. And right. yeah, I'll tell you what bet I'm loving, which we both made when we thought the season was going to start when it was going to start, sort of before the pandemic. Is Gary Sanchez a hundred to one to win MVP? That, yep. that, I absolutely love that. Because that man could get just scorching hot over sixty games. We know in the next sixty games he might strike out a hundred times. Exactly, but, but he could get super hot in sixty games, and uh, this could be a makeup for our missed Alonso bet.
0: So just for fun, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through some of the bets I have on here so that we can uh, see them later in the season. And given I made these, you know, before we knew what the season would look like, but I love some of them. So Sam just mentioned. Gary Sanchez to win MVP at 100 to 1, but also Gary Sanchez to hit the most home runs in baseball at 67 to 1. Yeah, that's not bad. We got uh, Mookie Betts hit the most home runs at 101 to 1. You talk about something that's easy possible. Yeah. Mookie Betts just hit a power surge. Um, I, I have a couple more of those. I also have right here something that I really like. I like a player to record a no-hitter in 2020? no hitter in 2020. No at 21 to one. Um, I don't know how they must've been odds boosted the day that we did that, but um, that's really nice in the shortened season here and a random Cy Young winner, Trevor Bauer at 46 to one. Yeah. That's, every day.
1: that's not bad. I'm pretty, I, I, I don't have my bets uh, up, but I'm pretty sure I, I bet Noah Syndergaard to win the Cy Young before the season. So that one's not turning out that well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah. So, There's some fun things to do here and fun things to consider Um, in terms of venue. So now we're turning a little bit from the overall rules, the implications on gameplay, a little bit of betting um, to a little bit of fantasy, because now finally we can have a small discussion here. You know, um, we consider a player's home park when drafting players. Um, Of course, if a guy plays for the Giants and you're drafting him as your number one home run hitter, you may want to reconsider your strategy. Um, we see that there's an unfreeze in player transactions starting uh, this Friday, actually. Um, So Friday at noon, players are going to be able to sign again, and that means Yasiel Puig could play DH in the NL if you're looking for some guy who may be undervalued. If he doesn't have to be in the field and he's getting every day at-bats, as long as he doesn't go somewhere like San Francisco, that's a guy you can... uh,
1: What about Cespedes, who I'm actually wearing my Yo shirt right now.
0: Well, the layoff certainly helped him, but Sam, what's the latest on Cespedes' health?
1: I, I mean, I, as far as I understand, like I think he will be, I, th- I think he'll be on the the. Oh, and they'll start the season with thirty man rosters and sort of slowly pare them down to twenty six. I think, but I think he's gonna be on the Mets' thirty man roster. I, I could be wrong, but uh, and I, you know, I think Cespedes is a perfect candidate for the universal DH. You know maybe can't really play the field that much anymore because of all the leg and feet problems he had mm-hmm. but i mean he can still crush the ball
0: absolutely and a couple you know other considerations to make is that drafting older guys can sometimes be a big risk for people and it still is going to be a risk this year because of the way the aging curve works but i'd say with an abbreviated spring training and an abbreviated schedule where you're going to be able to carry 60 taxi squad players so the rosters will remain at 26 for most of the season they're at 30 for the first week and then they go to um, 28 and then they go down to 26 but for the majority of the season it'll be 26 but there will be a 60-man taxi squad and people can come up and down I feel a little more comfortable drafting some aging veterans in this shortened season in terms of fantasy just because they don't need as much work to hit their stride once again And I'm not really worried about them getting injured necessarily because where I might lose 80 games in an 160 game season for a guy who gets injured in the middle of the season, I might only lose two weeks of him effectively uh, in this season. So um, I definitely think that you can have a little bit of. Uh, gumption going for them. And in turn, this actually uh, is going to hurt some uh, prospects who might have come up late in the season um, for some better teams. It might help some prospects who were going to come up later, but may start the season because of the way they're doing service time um, with their clubs this year. So keep an eye on uh, some of those younger guys who you're looking at in drafts. Uh, to maybe come up a little early or not come up at all. Aaron,
1: I, I don't really play uh, play much fantasy baseball, so I, I don't really know how much it's normally considered. Like, you value National League pitchers much more than American League pitchers because they get to pitch mm-hmm. to pitchers instead of the DH. Is that going to – like, how much is that changing the way people are evaluating pitchers?
0: So, I, I, this depends on the player. My personal belief here um, is that pitchers are – you know, you know who a pitcher is. You shouldn't draft by league. You should draft by a pitcher. So if you need wins, go find a guy who you know is going to get you wins on your team. If you need K's, go find a guy who wipes guys out. The only thing this changes is that I think now if you are totally tied on two guys, the tiebreaker may for one, be his home park uh, or his home league. But now I, You know, I don't think that league does that tiebreaker. I think that if you're looking at two guys who you evaluate exactly the same, um, at the end of the day, the only thing you can look at is strength of schedule now because that's very clear, and there are very clear delineations, as we mentioned, and the home park that uh, you'll pitch theoretically the majority of your games in.
1: Yeah, so one thing that is looming as far as home parks go, though, is that the MLB has the, uh, the right to relocate a team uh, if there's basically a coronavirus outbreak where mm-hmm. they're playing, and uh, and I mean like that is that whole specter is what looms large over the season in general. It's that you know we we just haven't played baseball for almost three months now because of coronavirus, and the coronavirus cases in the United States are like roughly the same as what they were at their peak. So right. you know there are still a lot of coronavirus cases in the U.S. I think I saw something that, like, Charlie Blackman just got it and a couple other Rockies. Uh, Novak Djokovic just got it. Nikola Jokic just got it. Like, they're athletes getting coronavirus, and I know that the league is going to do everything they can to test as much as they can, keep people safe. But I think it's just, you know, an eventuality that players are going to start getting it, and it's legitimately an unknown what the response is going to have to be.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. And Sam, to your point of the uncertainty, MLB can relocate teams if there's an outbreak where they are. To where? You know, the idea would be Arizona or Florida, but those are like the two worst states in the nation right now, maybe outside um, of, of some like Middle South states. But where can the MLB put them now? Can they send them? To Montreal, where they still have the Olympic Stadium, I don't think so. Could, Can they send them to a minor league stadium somewhere? I don't know. That changes the game entirely.
1: I, I feel like minor league stadium is probably where they'll have to go. Like, especially assuming there aren't going to be fans, because like then, what does it really matter all that much? Right. And I mean, I think the facilities, at least at like AAA stadiums, are still pretty good, and they, I think, they do have a lot of the the stat cast stuff which teams mm-hmm. sort of want for themselves but yeah it's it's an open question and you know like you know the rockies the team being breaking breaking out right now like that's going to totally change those players stats if they have to move from course
0: right if you have yeah. charlie blackman and he's got corona right now and you know well i guess that makes him safe for the rest of the season so you're happy but let's say you have somebody like david Dahl, right we already talked he may be able to opt out and he may now be at risk for coronavirus. So Um, the other thing too, Sam, about this stadium situation is let's take the D-backs, for instance, the closest minor league stadium outside of Arizona is, well, AAA, because everything lower than AAA, that probably doesn't have nice enough facilities, is the isotopes. So are the D-backs going to go play in Albuquerque, or even if they went to play in Las Vegas? Las Vegas or Albuquerque, they're both unbelievable home run stadiums. Are they moving from Chase Field, which last year was an average hitter's park, nothing crazy, to one of the most home run happy environments in the entire country, like to play their games? That's a totally different situation. Yeah, and I mean,
1: I I think this all speaks to the fact that this is just going to be a very weird season, like nothing we've ever had before. And Mm -hmm. there's going to be some... Weirdness, some fairness concerns, but I think you know it's it's better to have the season than not have it. So we just have to take what we get. I think.
0: uh Oh, I don't get me wrong. I am absolutely thrilled and, that we are and, playing. This and game. one
1: actually good thing I think that came out of uh, you know not accepting the MLB proposal and having them implement the season instead is that there's no expanded playoffs. Which That's right. I mean, I. I don't know if in the next CBA they're going to try to expand the playoffs. I think it would just be an absolute disaster for baseball to expand the playoffs past what they're at right now. I agree. Um, I mean, just the 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 fairness concerns are are terrible, and it would just be an obvious money grab, delegitimizing the World Series champion every year. Um, oh yeah, but you know, I I. I'm excited for the season. I have to say, when 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 the news that the season was being implemented dropped on Twitter, I was you know mildly happy. I was like good, but I I had still I was still hurt from the last few months of negotiating. Like I I wasn't overjoyed. I was just so sick of it. But now that I've had a couple of days to sort of distance myself from that, I'm just so excited. Like I'm yeah, just I'm just thinking about great. the season starting, and I. I'm thinking about a Mets World Series. Like, it's just gonna be a ton of fun.
0: I hope you don't lose that image, Sam, because unfortunately, I think the only place it will exist is (laughs) in your brain. But um, yeah, so this is amazing news. That's why we had to bring you this special episode. Um, I know we kind of jumped around because we're so excited and there's like so many different aspects of this. We'll certainly continue to discuss uh, the implications of this type of season throughout the year um, and, of course, uh, leading up to spring training starting in uh, about a week and a half here. Um, And we'll bring in new transactions happening starting Friday at noon. So much more great baseball news. So much more to discuss. Um, If you guys have questions about what this means, you know, what – uh, could happen in this season you want to hear more about some bets we're looking at or some fantasy um, or any aspect of this please reach out to us on twitter at the alonzo bet or at our email the at gmail.com so um thanks for stopping by to the special edition guys we'll be coming to you later in the week uh with our full episode so stay tuned for that
1: yeah thanks a lot guys and signing off i'm sam
0: and i'm aaron thanks for coming